That's right. It is what it is. Hey, um, we're in a series uh, talking about core values of the church as we kind of kick off the new year. Um, Started last week, kind of giving you an overview of what church and a little bit of what uh, Acts chapter 2, the 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 beginning of the, the, the church. And, and remember that the goal of kind of the series uh, over this week and the next four weeks is to really look at the purest picture of the New Testament church. Remember in Acts chapter 2, it was just kicking off. It was just the beginning of it. And I think it's important that we go back and begin to look at what uh, the purest picture was because as time goes on, things get added to and all that kind of stuff. And it gets a little bit kind of murky in what we're to do as, as the New Testament church. And so if you have your uh, program inside your program as an outline, I want to encourage you guys to follow along. A couple fill-in-the-blanks. I want to recap just briefly of what last week was, and then we're going to jump into today's um, lesson as we look at Connect and specifically talking about uh, our community groups and the importance of being involved in that. So at the very top of your, your outline there, it says the book of Acts tells the story of the first century church. It didn't start or didn't begin as an institution. And a lot of people will think that, specifically in North America, in, the, in, in America, when you talk to folks about the church, they'll, they'll say, well, it's an institution. And they think that that's how it kind of started, because it really has kind of evolved into that um, and it's just the way that we kind of begin to think. But in Acts chapter 2, as it begins to kick off, it was never an institution, nor is it, was it meant to be an institution. It was really a movement of God and began to spread in, in Jerusalem and then ultimately, to, ultimately, easy for me to say, to the ends of the earth. And so it, begin, it begins as this movement of God as God begins to spread and begins to reach the world for Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believers. Uh, kind of another thing that we talked a little bit last week, and I don't want to rehash all of last week's message, but, but the idea of church. People will say, well, I'm going to church. And, and definition is that they're driving to a building. And the building is the church. Now, this is a building. We, we could vacate here and it could become, you know, an auto center. It's a building. Just as a church could actually go to an auto center and it would work, right? Because it's just a building that facilitates what we're doing. And the word church in the New Testament that we use uh, doesn't even exist. The word church doesn't exist. In your outline, and we looked at this last week, it's the word um, ecclesia, and it means, and this is important for us to get what it means, is it means an assembly or a gathering. Okay, So to be a part of the ecclesia, the church, it means to participate in, be involved in the assembly or the gathering. Okay, And let me just kind of tell you a funny story. Um, Several years ago, I got a phone call from a person. Now, I've been here 24 years, 23 years, all right? So I started out as a youth pastor, and so I've been here for a while. I get a phone call, hey, you know, this is so-and-so. We're members of the church. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't recognize who the name, the name of them, uh, the, the, the family. And, well, my daughter wants to get married. It's like, oh, great. So, you know, help me out. Describe who you are, right? So she describes who she is and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, I've been here like 17 years and I don't recognize your name. And I said, so who was the pastor when you were here? And then she tells me somebody like four pastors ago, right? And it came out that she was a member here like in 1972. Okay? Now, I'm a pretty simple guy. And I'm thinking, 
so you're a part of the assembly? You're a part of the gathering? How does that work? So in 72, (laughs) I was like just a few years old, right? So how does that work that you consider yourself a part of the ecclesia, but you're not a part of the assembly or the gathering? Okay. Now we have as a kind of a, we have a formal class that we teach in membership because we want you to understand who we are and what we do and what we believe. But but the reality is, if you're a part of the church, the ecclesia, and you're part of that local church, then you need to go and be a part of it, and you need to get acclimated and get involved into the life of the ministry of that particular local church. Otherwise, if you never show up, how are you a member of something? Right? So, here's the simple thing that we looked at last week. Going back to Acts, 40, uh, to, uh, Acts 2, verse 42. It started out as a very simple message. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He died on a cross, that He rose again, and we are witnesses of that. That's the message. That's the message that they launched down in. And then two from last week, we looked at it was an expanding mission. It was, Jesus says in Acts 1.6, He says, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Remember, we said, we don't want to go there. That's not where Jews and Samaritans hang out together. And to the other ends of the earth. And that's where we are today. Right? And then we recognized that there was a serious devotion that the New Testament church had as they began to kick off. There was this devotion that they had, and in, in, in Acts 2, we're going to get into that in a moment, but we look right underneath your outline, we look at the, what the word devoted means, and here's what devoted means in the original language. It means to be earnest toward, to persevere, to consistently be diligent, to attend tirelessly all exercises, or all the exercises, right? So, so when we look at the New Testament church, They had this crazy, mad, serious devotion into what? Five core values. And we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. So you go back to Acts 42, or Acts 2, verse 42. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves. Okay, just pause there for a moment. That word devoted, right? They they persevered. They had this eagerness to just continue to go and to learn and to fellowship with each other and remember as i said last week the goal is for us in the series is to take a step back and ask ourselves if we were to walk into that first century new testament church would our commitment that we have today fit in to that group so they were they devoted themselves to uh to uh they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship okay and that's where today that's where we're at Remember, that is the word koinonia. It means partnership. Okay? It doesn't mean cookies in the back of the church. It doesn't mean punch. It doesn't mean bring finger foods to the fellowship. It means partnership. There's an involvement in the lives of the body of Christ. All right? And so what I want to do is I want to kind of just give a summary today of in community, in community groups, what ought to happen, all right? So, 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to bounce around through the Bible, so it's a little bit different today than normal, but you'll, you'll be flexible, and you're going with the flow, right? 
All right. First Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Good thing you said you didn't say no, because then I would leave. So here it says, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in, in fact that you're doing. So as Paul admonishes the church, he says, listen, encourage one another, build each other up. The word for encouragement means to call near, to invite or to invoke. All right, to build up the phrase build up in there. It means to be a house builder or a home builder. It means to construct or it means to confirm. Okay, so so here's the here's the idea that as the ecclesia gathers together, we need to invite, invoke, connect with the body of other believers. We need to be connected. We need to encourage. We need to build each other up in our life, whether it be in our, in, in our just private life or in our spiritual life. We need to build each other up. So what do you do in community or what needs to take place in community for really it to be successful? So look with me in your outline. i got four ideas to share with you today. Number one is that you need to affirm each other's worth. All right, in community, if you're going to be involved in a community group, and we'll, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service if you're not to get, in, to get plugged in. But what, one of the, what, what we need to do is we need to affirm each other's, uh, each other's worth in our life. And there are three ways in which we want to do that. Look with me in your outline. You need to do it with acceptance. All right, with acceptance. In Romans 15, verse uh, 7, it says, Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you. Now, hit the pause button. Ready? How did Christ expect, uh, accept you? Were you perfect? You, no, in fact, the Scripture says, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Right? And so, so one of the first things that, w- that we need to recognize is that when it comes to accepting, we need to make sure that we have that mindset. See, see, what happens to the New Testament church is we can become very judgmental, can't we? We can become very judgmental. And we don't expect people to make poor choices and live destructive lives, but we, we, we do want to accept them and love them to experience God's grace for their life to change. And so we need to accept them into our into our life and into into the community. No one is going to be exactly like you. Praise God. Right? So so you know, oftentimes too, when it comes to community, it's like, well, you, you that person doesn't have the same interests as I do. Well, different doesn't mean bad, it just means different. Right? And there's nothing wrong with difference. We all have a unique uh, uh Spiritual gift uniqueness and personality uniqueness, right? And so, we, but we need to accept them just as Christ accepted them. Letter B in your outline is you got to pay attention to them, right? And, th- and this is not a, ma- uh, a message on marriage, but but <laughs> this is one this is one that we could certainly apply to it. The greatest gift that you can give someone that you care about is your focused attention. It's not diamonds, it's not chocolate, it's not Harleys, it's not boats, okay? It's your focused attention. That, that you need to make sure that you're paying attention to them because that is the one thing in which they appreciate. Would you agree with that? Now, can I ask the ladies real quick? 
Ladies, wouldn't that be wonderful if your husbands just kind of paid attention to you? Come on now. Yes, right? Sure. And so, so that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give in community is to make sure that we're accepting them and, and making sure that we're pay attention, paying attention to them. Right? Letter C in your outline is showing them appreciation. Right? Now, it wasn't until just a few years ago when we bought a home in California, it always went up in value. Right? It appreciated. And appreciate means to rise in value. Right? We're kind of maybe seeing a little bit of a turnaround, which is a good thing. You buy a car, you spend 30 grand, you drive it off the car lot, and it's worth 20. Right? That's not appreciation. That's the opposite. Right? You know what I'm saying there? And, and so we need to make sure in the community that, that we're appreciating the folks in there, that we're letting them know. Now, just as kind of a larger thing, something to do. On, on any Sunday, and we'll talk about this when it comes to serve, on, on Sundays here, it takes about 100 people to pull off a Sunday morning worship. Okay? The band, the folks that work in children, preschool, and so, student ministries, right? How many of you have shown your appreciation to those who are teaching, if you have preschoolers, in preschool. You know, there's some that come every Sunday and serve in one service and worship in another one. You appreciate them? Students? Not, not, not to say, yeah, I, I do. Have you told them that? But the, the ladies in the coffee bar, scarfing down them donuts. Huh? Right? Yeah, in fact, you got some chocolate right there. <laughs> so, so we need to make sure that not just in the community, but in the, in the larger gathering as well, we need to make sure that we appreciate. How about the, the folks in the, the band that come in on Thursday and come in early on Sunday morning to, re, to rehash what they went through for the worship set? Right? We need to make sure that we do that. Now, if you want to appreciate me, you can easily do that. Get a $100 bill. Just write, thanks, Dan, and just hand it to me. That's all you need to know. I'm just kidding, all right? Number two, second thing is this, is that we pray for others' growth, okay? And, and this is what was interesting as I began to kind of go through this back in, in July and in August, September time period last year, and began to kind of pray through the Scripture. Th- th- this is one that kind of, I don't want to say that it caught me off guard because this is all stuff that I've taught but you know those times in your life where God just kind of takes you in a different direction and illuminates your mind to look at something a little bit differently. We are great at praying for people who are in need. Would you agree with that? So someone's sick, someone's having surgery, hey, we need to pray for it. And everyone's like, yeah, give me that. Let me pray for that person. We're, we're, we're great at praying for people who, who are just going through difficult times. But how many times do we pray for them to grow spiritually? See, and I had to hit the pause button and kind of go, you know, look over my prayer list and think, well, no, no, I'm more about praying for this family struggling, that person's sick, this person needs surgery. But spiritual growth? I was missing the mark, right? And so let me just throw a few passages of Scripture at you. And I'm not going to comment on them, just kind of briefly talk about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, verse 19, and to know uh, this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, How many people do you pray for in your prayer life and specifically, again, in the community that you pray for that needs to know God's love for them that they would grasp the grace of God in their life? Someone's sick, so we do that. But are we praying for their spiritual growth? Hebrews 13. May the God of peace through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great uh, shepherd uh, of the sheep, verse 21, equip you with every, uh, everything good for doing His will. Have you ever prayed for someone to do the will of God? How many kids do we need to pray for that? Right? Some of you have grown-up kids. How many of you need to pray that prayer? Right? Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now watch this. And here is the foundation to joy and peace. As you trust in Him. As your faith grows in Him. As as that foundation expands in Him. You experience more joy and more peace. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there folks that come to mind that need that? Ephesians 1. And I keep asking the God of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, Uh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Do you know need uh, folks that you know that need spiritual discernment in decisions that they're making? First or second Thessalonians, may the may the uh, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Right? How many, and as I thought about this just as a dad, how, many, how much do I need to expand God's love in my heart and perseverance when it comes to parenting? Right? So we pray for sick people, and that's good. Pray for folks going into surgery, that's great. But we also need to make sure that we're praying for folks in their spiritual growth. And I'll get into the reason why at the end and why I believe that that's such a huge part. Letter uh, number three in your outline is to admit your neighbor's mistakes. Right? Is that what it says? Your own mistakes. Right? We're great at saying, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Right? We're not so good at at, at bringing it back to us in in our own life and making sure that we're doing that. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 25 says this. Therefore, each of you must... Put off falsehood. Just kind of stop there. Here's what it means. Okay, body of Christ, you ready? It means stop pretending that life is great when it isn't. Stop living with a mask on and saying, oh, my marriage is fine and it isn't. Quit acting like your finances are doing well if it isn't. If your kids are making poor choices, admit it. We are the body of Christ. 
We are all fellow strugglers. This is a hospital for hurting people. And we need to come and we need to take off the falsehood. Oh, everything's great. All is fine. And internally, you're a mess. And look what he goes on and he, and he, he goes on and he says this. He says, and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Speak truthfully. Be honest about it. Why should we do that? For we are all one, or we are all members of one body. We're all one in Christ. Right? And in community, it's in the community group specifically, it's so important that there's a sense of realness that takes place there. Now, it may take a little time to get to that point where you're able to share personally what's going on in your life, but, but, the, but you need to make sure that we do that. Because see, in a, in a larger group setting, if I turned to you and said, hey, if I said to you, hey, I'm going to go to the restroom and get a drink of water, why don't you take five minutes, turn to the neighbor behind you and just tell them all the mistakes you've ever made and I'll be back. You're like, whoa, I don't even know the person. Right? But in a community, you're able to do that. You're able to share your struggles, your doubts, your fears, your, your questions about parenting. You're, you're able to do all those things and you're not alone. Now, there are two benefits that I want to share. There's more benefits, but I, for time's sake, I just pulled out two. The, the first one is, letter A in your outline, is there is emotional healing from pain when you own up to what's going on in your life. And this is a verse in, Ma- in James chapter 5. This is a verse that oftentimes people wrestle with. But, but let me just kind of explain it to you and I think you'll get it. And, and James writes this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to the pastor, to the priest, to the counselor. Look at that verse doesn't even say confess your sins to God. And I'll explain to you why. But it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. That word means complete or whole. Okay, now let me explain this to you. That verse is not saying that you confess your sins to the, to, to the body of Christ or the folks that you feel close to connected spiritually for forgiveness. If you want forgiveness, you go to the Lord. 1 John 1, 9. Right? We confess our sins. He's faithful and just and He will forgive us. We go to Him for forgiveness. But how many times... As you know believers, and I certainly know believers, that they've confessed their sins, God has forgiven them, but there's still pain, there's still guilt, there's still hang-ups, there's still hurts in their life that they're not able to overcome. And I'll say to you, I believe the reason why, in many cases, is because of James 5, verse 16. We do not confess our hurts and our hang-ups and our struggles to fellow believers. And as a result of that, we are forgiven, sure. But we still have this cloud on us as we walk through life. And, and whenever we, you know, we talk about that, everyone's a big push. It's like, oh, no, no, we don't go and confess anything to anybody. We have a high priest in Jesus. We take everything to him for forgiveness of sin. You're right. But this verse is speaking specifically of healing of a wholeness of a completion of being complete in Christ. Second idea is this. 
that when we're honest and we own up our, our mistakes, we experience the power of God to lift us up. Okay? When there's a sense of honesty that takes place, we looked at this a few weeks ago, uh, where Paul says, hey, I boast about my weakness. Because there's something about being honest. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Doesn't He? Right? And the grace is what changes us in our life. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourself. Be honest. Quit pretending. Quit acting like everything is right. Humble yourself before the Lord. And who will lift you up? What's the word? And He will lift you up. And so there's a sense of realness that needs to take place in your walk and in a community that takes place. Now, here's the myth. The myth is, well, if I share with my group what I'm really struggling with, they won't want any part of me. And let me just tell you, I think it's the exact opposite. Because if I set up here, and you guys know here, been here for any length of time, you know, I, I'm big in just being authentic and sharing with you where, where I'm at and the struggles that I have, right? But if I, if I set up here and said, you know what, I'm perfect. In fact, I was thinking this morning, I can go all the way back to 1984, and I don't even know that I've had a sinful thought. So today I want to share with you how to keep your mind pure, right? I mean, you know, or, or if I said, you know, my kids are perfect. You're like, what's that guy on? Right? If I said, my wife is perfect. No, she, no, she really is. <laughs> so that's a bad example, all right? <laughs> I know your thoughts are, how does she put up with that knucklehead, Right? But, but, but you recognize this, that when you get someone who speaks and teaches, if, if they come across as arrogant, you're sitting in your chair and you're going, that guy is a joke. I'm not going to listen to that guy. But, but if you have someone who's authentic, and so, you know, I, I struggle in my prayer time. And I shared this before. I mean, there's times where I've driven home from my office, get halfway home and go, I didn't even pray today. I'm an A-type personality, man. I get here, I'm going 100 miles an hour. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, ding, ding, ding. Hey, how about doing something spiritual for a minute, right? I struggle with that. See, see when, you're, when you're real with people, there, there's a connection because we all struggle. And so there's this whole myth that if I share my struggles with people, they're just going to like push me away. And I actually think it's the opposite. When it comes to friendship, who would you rather have? A, just an, an outright liar or a person who has integrity and honesty? Right? And, and so when we get into church, it's like, oh, no, don't say I've ever had any struggles. But that's just nonsense. I believe that it actually draws us in to each other's life and to a place where we can encourage, where we can pray, where we can build them up and lift them up. Number four, the fourth thing is this, encourage others to grow spiritually. And I wanted to circle around to this. Next week, we're going to talk about what it is to grow spiritually. And, and I, I'm going to debunk probably most of our thoughts of what spiritual maturity looks like. Okay, because we have a Greek mindset. We think it's information. We think it's all this knowledge stuff. And I'm going to take a disciple that Jesus calls, a group of disciples that Jesus calls, and we're going to unpack it. And I think you'll be somewhat surprised. 
of what it is. But, but, but let me just kind of share with you as we, as we wrap this thing up the importance of encouraging each other and again, in the community that we grow spiritually. Paul writes to Timothy. Paul, Paul was uh, Timothy's kind of leader, mentor. And here's what he says to him. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths. And I'm going to come back and we'll go through each word like we normally do here. With, with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Verse 8. Physical training, has, uh, physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for, what's the word? All things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Okay, now, here's why I think community is so important when it comes to encouraging each other to grow spiritually. This is where, this is the the, the visual I want you to get. You know what a bicycle wheel looks like? A bicycle wheel? You know the part that bolts onto the frame? It's called the hub. And then the spokes are attached to the hub and to the outer part of the rim. Got that? Everybody? Yes? All right. You on Genesis, it says that we are made in the image of God. There is a spiritual nature to us. Your spiritual life is so important that everything else emanates from it. Jesus is the hub of your life. And everything else, your personal life, your professional life, your financial life, your relational life, your married life, your parenting life, every area of your life emanates from the hub of Christ being the center. Okay? If He isn't the center, everything else is going to wobble in your life. Okay? So this is what Paul says. He says to, to Timothy, he says, have nothing to do. And that's a rebuke. That's, it's a way where he says nothing. It, it means to reject, to put away. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths. Godless myths are, basically it's the wisdom of the world. So a godless myth would be, money makes you happy. Okay? D- don't have anything to do with that nonsense. That somehow money is going to bring happiness into your life. If you think money is going to bring happiness into your life, how much? Right? And it always keeps rising, doesn't it? And he says, don't, don't have that kind of embrace the worldly traditions and nonsense or the old wives' tales. Okay, what, what does that mean? In, in Paul's day, women typically were not educated. Education primarily was for men. And so this was his sarcastic way of saying... Listen, don't act like an uneducated person. When someone tells you that the moon is made of cheese, don't buy it. Okay? That's that's the idea that Paul is saying. He says, don't don't embrace that. He says, but rather, train yourself. Okay? And, and, And the word train is the word we would get gymnastics. It's a discipline that you have in your life. And if you know anybody who's a a great gymnast, it's not like they just kind of go every once in a while. I mean, it's their, their life. It's daily. There's, a, there's all these different types of things that they're doing to, to hone in on their disciplines. In the gymnastic world, he says, train yourself. 
Now we recognize, isn't it easier to exercise when you have a training partner? Isn't it? Because how many of you, and I, you know, I'm the biggest sinner in this room, how many of you wake up and go, I don't want to exercise today? Right? I mean, it's like eat ice cream or exercise. How long do you want to think about that? Five seconds. I'm going for the refrigerator or icebox, right? But when you have someone who is encouraging you, a training partner, isn't it easier to do? Because when you're resistant, they're like, oh no, you need to go. And then when they're resistant, you're like, no, you need to go. And so it's important that we have around us folks that will help us, encourage us in that discipline of spiritual, uh, of spiritual growth. And he says, so he says, train yourself to be godly. And, and that the word godly has the idea of reverence. It, it has the idea of Christ-like character. It's taking on the image of Jesus as we're being conformed into the likeness of Christ. As the Spirit of God, as believers, sanctify us and transform us, that we're, we're, we're taking on the image of Christ. And he says, train yourself in godliness. Verse 8, verse 8 goes on, he says, for physical training is of what? Some value. Now pause. Let me just ask you. Exercise or spiritual life? Which do you do more of? I would be, vent- I would be willing to guess if we went down to the gym, and this is, this is a sad testimony, that there probably are more folks in the gyms that we have around here that att- than, than attend the churches, not just our church, the churches around here. Right? There's some value. You exercise, I mean, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We ought to take care of it. No question about it. But, but Paul says to Timothy, there's some value. Sure, your heart will be better, your blood pressure will be down, your diabetes will be under control. There, there, there's good things. But that's just some value. But godliness, okay, Christ-like character. But godliness has value for, what's the word? All things. You want to know why? Because when Jesus is the hub of your life, Everything emanates out of your spiritual life. And it isn't just for spiritual things. It's for all things. It's for your marriage. It's for your finances. It's for raising your kids. It's for your attitude at work. It's for your attitude when you drive down Highway 4 and go over Vasco Road. It's, it's for all areas of your life. That it's for the whole thing. And he says, holding promise for both the present life. So here's a promise. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You struggling financially? Here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then, what do you mean then? Yeah, after you seek first the kingdom of God, then these things will be added to you. Not before. Then they will be. And then they go through a place to live, food to eat, clothes to wear, and all that other stuff. That is a promise where you're spiritually focused on what you need to. Jesus is the hub of your life. The promise is he takes care of the needs that you have in your earthly life here. Right? And then the verse goes on. And the verse goes on and it says, and for life to come. Eternal life. 
right? But he's referring to your spiritual life. That in community, there's an accountability, there's an encouragement, there's a prayer, there's praying for each other, there's loving each other, there's those who are maybe a little more spiritual, mature, come alongside and kind of boost and help and push along those who are a little, uh, that are maybe perhaps new believers. And that's what it needs to look like. There's an acceptance that when someone comes in the group, and they're an outsider, they're new believers, you expect their life to be jacked up. Right? In fact, I think that's a good thing for churches to have, is a bunch of people with screwed up lives. There's tension, isn't there? It's like, what? What? You did what? I mean, it's like Humpty Dumpty putting the egg back together with, but hey, that's what Jesus is all about. Isn't it? Right? And so if we're just looking for perfect people, we're in the wrong business. Right? In fact, probably a place like that would be like the morgue, because that's where they're perfect. <laughs> really? I mean, they're not doing anything. They sinning? No, they're not. Just laying there. So here's what I want to do, real quick. <laughs> that was not in my notes. That's, that's free willing right there, man. That is free willing. Hey, inside your, your, your uh, program, and this is today's kind of commitment to think about, is you'll find a, com- a communication card that has community groups, okay? The, the goal is that we have 100% participation in community groups. Pastor Frank has taken over. Eric, uh, worship Pastor Eric, has kind of stepped aside on the community groups. Pastor Frank is going to take that over. It's more in his area of expertise. And so we want to get folks plugged into community groups. And so on one side of the card, it says interested in joining a group. On the other side of the card, it says interested in hosting a group. Okay, if you're not in a community group and you're interested in on the way out by the women's restroom, there's a table and Pastor Frank is going to meet you there and you'd be able to fill it out, give it to him and you get a name and a face and you guys can work it out. and He can try to get you plugged into either an existing group or one uh, that's starting or perhaps you want to start one. But again, the goal is the importance that we get in community and we're able to, to get out of kind of rows and get into circles and, and have that koinonia, that partnership that's necessary. The next week we're going to look at church growth. Every once in a while I trip into a good message, and so I think next week's going to be a great message, and I think it will definitely debunk a lot of what we think about of, of spiritual maturity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather and just to be encouraged to perhaps sit back and take a look at what that first Uh, century New Testament church look like. Lord, we want to become that Acts 2 church. We want to be devoted to you. We want to be devoted together. Lord, we want to change our culture for Christ. And Lord, we ask that you will empower us to do that. Lord, help us to be obedient. Lord, help us to be wise stewards of everything that you've entrusted us with. The, the, The folks that you've placed into our care the resources, the, the, the land, the, all the different things. We want to be wise stewards. We want to impact our community for you. And Father, we give you all the praise. Thank you for bringing us together today. And Lord, as we leave here, may we step up, may we analyze our life, may we be involved in community. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, uh, Eric's going to come out of the shadows here.
And uh, he's going to lead you in the closing song, and we'll see you guys on the way out.